Well, another round down and certainly no shortage of headlines. Let's jump straight inside the NRL and see what's happening on today's episode. Venue changes confirmed. So where is your team playing in round seven? We have the latest. Plus, just when you thought the Warriors had been through enough, a shock sacking with Stephen Kearney rocks the boat. And is NRL's top eight signed, sealed and delivered? Our panel have their say. Happy Monday to our viewers. What a fabulous round of footy to be had. We've got another round seven coming up very shortly. But just quickly off the top, gents, a fantastic round. Beanies for Brain Cancer round. Over $2.5 million was raised uh, to the Mark Hughes Foundation to go towards the research of brain cancer. Fantastic initiative. Did you get your beanies out? Yeah, it was amazing. I went and bought the family a couple of beanies. We they only had the girls' ones left. So good. I had the two sour girls, <laughs> well, soon to be three sour girls, uh, and myself in the girls' beanie. It was great. Yeah, you took one from here, though. Did you buy that one? I bought three more. <laughs> yeah, okay. I bought three more, mate, so don't worry about that. Oh, over $18 million has been raised since 2014, so it's fantastic Amazing. to see, and I know the NRL loves supporting that round, so it'll be back bigger and better than ever, I'm sure, in 2021. But we do have um, some breaking news for venue changes for round seven. So what we can confirm is the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Penrith Panthers will not play at Campbelltown Stadium. They will, in fact, play at the Net Strata Jubilee Stadium. Michael, is this the right call? Oh, you ask people at Penrith, they'll say no. They were, they were pushing to play at Panther Stadium. That game has been moved to Cogra uh, at a neutral venue. Look, we're a week away from moving back to the venues anyway. So I, I, you know, the NRL's decision, I think they made the right call moving away from Campbelltown because we saw on mm. Sunday it, it wasn't up to stand. It looked like a cow paddock by the end of that game. So uh, Manly didn't want to blame the injuries on the ground, but... I think for everyone's best interest, the right decision has been made. Jamie, I will get your thoughts on that very shortly. But Graham Annesley did front media today to talk about why the changes were made for uh, Campbelltown Stadium no longer being used. Let's take a listen. You know, observing the games over the course of the weekend, that uh, Campbelltown's been under a lot of stress in terms of the number of games that it's hosted. Uh, the weather over the course of the weekend uh, didn't help us. Uh, there was a fair bit of wet weather uh, that... Um, uh, didn't help the playing surface, so uh, we just felt that it was appropriate to give uh, the game the opportunity to be played, uh, this week's game, the opportunity to be played uh, on a surface that was going to do the game justice. Are you comfortable that service didn't contribute to any of those manly injuries? Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I mean, clearly the conditions, as I said, uh, uh, that, those sort of conditions can affect any game, uh, but um, it's, uh, it's not a player safety issue as such. Whether it did or it didn't, like Graham Annesley is comfortable that it didn't, um, do you think it's a great step, Jamie, that they are giving Campbelltown Stadium a break and moving it because they can and the players and the clubs are, are showing their fluency? Yeah, well, I think we've only got to look at 2020. <laughs> you know, everyone's got to be uh, adaptable to different situations. You look at that ground last week, I think they've only had like five or six games a year yeah, for the West Tigers now, or even less, maybe three or four games when they're playing at ANZ. Now they've had so much traffic on there and you could see the ground getting chewed up and it's no one to blame. We're, we understand that we're trying to get the game up and going and uh, unfortunately Campbelltown Stadium's just got a little bit too much traffic at the moment. Yeah, the other the other game that could be moved as well is Melbourne Storm and Warriors on Friday night. They're supposed to be playing at Amy Park. Uh, Dan Walsh from NRL.com and Troy Whitaker are reporting that it could in fact be moved. Um, just because there's been a coronavirus outbreak in Victoria, there's 125, 126 new uh, case or current cases, sorry, at the moment. So uh, Christian Welch did speak to media. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. Probably not ideal playing our home games interstate. Um, 
And, you know, we love playing in Amy Park and, and the idea of potentially having a few fans there cheering us on would have been great. But I'm pretty sure all our players would be more than happy to, to pack their bags for the, for the greater good of the competition and, and to, you know, maintain the, the health of our communities because I think that's, that's at the, the focus of this competition. Yeah, wise words there. Do you think uh, having a home ground advantage is a, is a real thing, Jamie, don't you mm. think? Yeah, it is. But when the crowd's there, I think we're seeing the teams that aren't really worried about their crowd size just going out there and getting the job done. And, yeah, Melbourne weren't good last week, so they'll be looking to bounce back against the side, the Warriors that are going through their own adversity. So I don't think we can complain too much. We're happy that the Rugby League's back, and I'm sure every player would be happy to play anywhere. Well, I don't think the fear for Melbourne is playing away from home as much. It's... It's the danger of this going you know, north with the coronavirus outbreak in Victoria that, that New South Wales or Queensland governments then turn around and say, hang on a second, if you're going to play in our states, you can't be living in Victoria. And if they might be in a situation, if it, keep, if it keeps getting worse, like the Warriors, where they have to base themselves in New South Wales or Queensland if things get, continue to escalate. Hopefully not for the storm, because if that's the case, we know how hard it is for the, for the Warriors. Well, their feeder club is Sunshine Coast Falcons, so they may be able to even potentially base themselves in and around there. And we saw what the Warriors did at Tamworth, so hopefully it all works out. Yeah, particularly with the position they're in at the moment, I'm sure a neutral ground wouldn't be what they're after. I know Chad Townsend posted on Twitter, even just having 400-plus fans made such a difference um, at their fields. But the next talking point, gents, is is huge. New Zealand Warriors, Stephen Kearney has been sacked by the club. Uh, Todd Payton is the interim coach. Talk about the timing. I mean, if one or two or three things wasn't enough for that club, they now go through another, um, I guess, drama. Michael, is the timing on this couldn't be more worse? Oh, I agree with you, Katie. I think the timing is... Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not sensitive, but when can you sack a coach and it's right? Like, Do you want Stephen Kearney to go through what he has this year, get to the whole year, away from home, away from family, then get home and say, hey, by the way, thanks for your efforts, you're gone. I don't think there's a right time to do it. Are we surprised? Yeah, I am. But the Warriors had gone backwards last year and had no, showed no real signs of improvement this year, to be honest with you. Uh, I think Stephen Kearney hasn't been treated you know, the way the players would have hoped he would, but it's a business. And if the Warriors feel as though Stephen Kearney's not the man for the job, whether it's now at the end of the year, they're going to have to pull the trigger at some point and Stephen Kearney will, just, will be just as upset then as he is now. So what difference does it make that they, they sack him now and not eight weeks or at the end of the season when they're dealing with all this coronavirus and in lockdown in the Central Coast, not in New Zealand? Well, perhaps, and I don't know this for sure, but I, perhaps the contributing factor is if you wait, and we, there's a lot of pressure on Paul Green, Paul McGregor, Dean Pay. If you wait until after those coaches have all been sacked or moved on, then you don't have the pick of the litter. The Warriors going first means everyone is putting their hand up saying, I want to, I want to coach the Warriors, I want a job. So they may have the best of the bunch. Perhaps that's behind their decision to do it so quickly. Okay, so coach availability, I want to hear your thoughts on their form mm. because I know you're not impressed and you don't think that New Zealand have improved. But Tohu Harris was actually very distraught after hearing his coach had been sacked. Um, the players did perform a haka. Uh, here's what he had to say. You know, for you know, especially in this situation where he's he's the one person that was sort of holding the team together. You know, we we um, we sort of yeah, we're just all a bit shocked and we're sort of left scrambling pretty much. Do the fail, the players feel at all responsible for for what's happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we felt as you know, players we we let the coaches down because you know the plan was there. We just didn't execute it. 
the call they made on the back of of that performance, which you know the players really were the ones we let them down. Um, you know, it's it's pretty disappointing. See, Jamie, the players seem surprised, shocked even, that they've lost their head coach. If you're in that playing group, how do you find the motivation? Do you almost want to betray the club and not perform? Oh, no. Okay. Definitely not. I was at the Penrith Panthers when Ivan Cleary, the message came through that uh, Ivan Cleary had been moved on you know, one year after we'd made the prelim final. So, as Michael said, there's no right time to sack a coach. But if you're looking at it from the other side, I agree with Chamis's comments. They get the pick of the litter now in terms of what coach they want to come over there. This isn't just a head coach problem. This is a, a top-to-bottom problem for the New Zealand Warriors. There's no people. There's no kids coming through. The recruitment over there to be able to bring kids through. Like they've got a whole country to be able to pull from. They've got some of the best athletes in the world. We've seen the Polynesian percentage take over the the NRL. They haven't got any pathway guys coming through. They've taken their team out of the New South Wales Cup. They're basing them in Redcliffe now. So those guys will, if they don't make the team, they'll fly over and play and base themselves at Redcliffe. Like. If you if you the owners and all that kind of stuff sacking the coach okay fine but what's next we need to be recruiting some of these guys you think about all the great New Zealanders that are playing in Australian NRL clubs James Fisher Harris you know these are all guys like James Fisher Harris you've got about five six seven other guys that should be possibly wanting to play for the Warriors when they grow up and it's just not happening at the moment so this is a top to bottom thing bringing in a head coach isn't going to fix the problem it needs to be a whole organisation problem because we want them to be successful we want every team to be successful but they haven't gotten any better under Stephen Kearney and from a purely football point of view this isn't personal or anything I don't know him personally but football based you know, decisions are made on wins and losses and you saw the record before 40% in only one finals appearance isn't going to get the job done yep. we've seen coaches that have better records Anthony Griffin you know, it's consecutive final appearances get cut, sacked for other reasons. So this isn't personal. Stephen Kearney has tried his guts out to build a club and bring players in to do what he, the vision he had, right? But he hasn't been able to land, whatever reason, if it's him or if it's the Warriors, they haven't been able to land any of these big-name signatures. Like, you talk about they've had a crack at Matt Lodge, they had a crack at um, David Fafida, they had a crack at uh, Young Tino heading to the, to the Titans, they had Toby Rudolph lined up, he's backflipped. There are so many players that they have thrown big, big money at, way, way over the top money compared to other clubs, and no one has gone over there. So whether that's a problem with the coach or the club or no one wants to live in New Zealand, whatever it is, they need to address that so people want to play for the Warriors because at the moment, no one does. You've got a whole country to develop. You've yeah, got, go, go out and get some of these... That takes time. Okay, so go out and get some of these young kids that are rugby union stars and try and bring them across. Try and break the mould. Why don't try bring people over and pay overs all the time to get people over? When that's how they we, have to start. We can some... look in, they can look in their own backyard and go down to the South Isles and, and just really try and find a couple of hidden gems to be able to bring them through to be Warriors players. Because there's 15 other clubs that are going over there and recruiting New Zealand players to come and play over here. You need your big fish to start with. You've seen it. You, you str- look at the Titans. They're struggling to sign guys because you need people to invest their time into it. Look at Newcastle. You, you sign Mitchell Pearce and then it snowballs. After that, other guys want to come after it. You they need were a big apart. hit first. They, they went through three bad years with Nathan Brown. And they couldn't sign Cle- anybody until out, they signed Cleaning out Kalen the and contracts Mitchell. that were hanging around. Because they had needed somebody there first. So they cleaned the contracts out. That's right. So you've got to have So well, the Warriors need around. to land some big fish first, and then they can bring others around them. You don't just keep buying big fish to try and solve no, the problem. You need problem. a couple. You need a couple there 
Th- well, build a team around. You need to build a, a club fish, around. Name a big fish that they should. David Fafita would have been a big fish if he stays. At, he looked like he's going to stay. At the but how is Roger Tuivasa-Sheck not a big? fish? That's exactly what he is. But that, he's been there five years now. Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. Mm. Well, yeah. is, is he a big fish? He's a big fish. So they landed him, and that still doesn't make him. Well, they did. They started to land other players. They got Blake Green. They got Tohu Harris. That they did. They went down that path, but they haven't been able to get anyone for the last. One few years. big fish doesn't make everyone else a big fish. When you land them, you've got to have the right recruitment. Their development hasn't been up to standard. For a, te- for a team... I think the development is fine, but they're letting team, go of the good ones. For a team that has a whole country to be able to use that resource and bring those guys through, mm. they haven't been able to develop. Think about you let Sean Johnson go, who carried the New Zealand Rugby League brand through all those yep, years, I right? I agree with you on that. You had a superstar in the making that we heard, Chanel Harris-DeVita. We'd heard all about him. You give him one game in, you give him one game out. You don't give him a chance to mature along the way. You bought Adam Kieran from Penrith. Then you go out and buy Cody Nicarima. Yeah, it, well... Like, what's the point of having a young guy come through that we hear or about and he's not given the time to be able to develop into it? Look at Penrith with Nathan Cleary. He's been playing in the competition for five years, had all the makings of being a great halfback, still you know, is one of the top halfbacks in the game. They develop him and bring him through. The clubs in Australia are developing players and bringing them through. And if they lose one big fish, they've got people coming through in the next one. The Warriors don't have that at the moment. That's just plain and simple. It's, I think, uh, a bigger issue. Like you both mentioned, it's not just the coach. And if Stephen Kearney can't change the culture and change how that playing roster is uh, delivering their on-field performances, that's a bit of a worry. But if you are to pick another coach, who are your candidates? That's a tough one. I don't, I don't know who the right person is for the Warriors because it's such a big job. And, and this is not going to be a popular opinion, but perhaps someone like a Michael Maguire. I know he's contract for another year at the Tigers, but he's the New Zealand national coach. He's, he's obviously concerned about the elite program in, in the country. The, the easier question is, do they go with a rookie coach or an experienced coach? Because they have Matty Elliott over there in 2012. He came in, cleaned house. It didn't work out. He was out of there very, very quickly. Do they need to go back to you know someone that's been there, a rebuilding pr- Jeff Toovey, Nathan Brown, Anthony Griffin, someone that's actually been in systems that can work it out and has been through those tough times. But isn't Stephen Kearney that person? No, he's not anymore because you look at the way they're playing. But why would you do it again? I'm saying this is is the question. Do they go to a rookie coach who has fresh ideas, new blood, you know, comes in and says, right, this is how we're going to do it, or do you go experience? So there's plenty of people out there. I, I think that... If they want new ideas and, and they talk about their recruitment, they need to go with someone completely new. But then you, you look at Justin Holbrook. They go to a roster that's not in the top five or six and they're going to struggle. There's going to be a lean period, unfortunately. OK, so is it a concern that they've had seven coaches in the last decade? Yes. Because clearly they're not really sure who they need there. If you've that's gone through I'm seven... About recruit, that's what I'm saying about recruitment and development through your juniors. Yeah, you can only run out the team. Like, there's only so many big fish in the pond. Then there's the next cattle and then the next cattle. But the best coaches know how to get the big fish, develop those guys that come through to be able to play with those big fish. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think the Warriors have got something in mind. They might not have met anyone or spoken to anyone. Would Wayne Bennett be a perfect candidate? I don't like, know. I, I, go over there. I don't know if Wayne is ready for another re- rebuilding. Like, he tried to rebuild Newcastle and ended in tears. I don't think Wayne is ready for that. I think Wayne is at the right job at a club that is just about ready to go, win a competition, he can turn it around. All right, well, we'll wait and see what happens there. There is some breaking news, though, gents. Uh, We do have reports that the Melbourne Storm and New Zealand Warriors on Friday night will play at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium, so Storm will travel up to Sydney later in the week. How good. Yeah. I love Cogra. 
I'm actually looking for two tickets on Thursday night. Better <laughs> um, <laughs> taking on the bunnies, but if I just want to go back there and relive some memories and watch some footy as well. But look, Cogra's yeah, I, I love playing at Cogra. I think it's a great stadium. I was. Uh, I think Melbourne won there earlier in the year against Cronulla, so they won't mind the trip. And plus, you think about Melbourne have to fly up, New Zealand have to come down the bus. It's a quick you know, half-hour trip for Melbourne to be able to get there, so works out for everyone. Yeah, Two changes for this round. We'll see if there's any more to come. But like uh, Michael has mentioned in the Sydney Morning Herald, there already is venue changes from round eight and uh, clubs will be able to play at their home teams. But the next... Uh, Big issue in the game. Last week, Jamie, you did mention Paul Green should be under fire, um, under threat, sorry, for his coaching position. Uh, Josh Maguire has come out uh, talking about his team's crook performances and he was brutally honest with how they performed over the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's hear what he had to say. Hard to put it bluntly. Um, you know, it was pretty shit out, to be honest, from us as a group. Not to go out there and not do your job. You know, it's, you know, you're taking, you know, you're taking them. This really, you know, it was embarrassing. I've got to go home to my two kids and like look at them and think, like, my little ones ask me why I'm not winning anymore. So, you know, it is embarrassing. It hurts. We know that we haven't been good enough. We haven't been good enough for a couple of years now. And we can't sit here and, you know, say all the guys we've got out of the field, we've got the youngest spine or whatever. Like, it's all a cop out. Like, we're all professional rugby league players. We all get paid handsomely to do what we do. We love it. I mean, like, if you don't want to do your job, then we can go dig a hole or, or you know, get on the tools. Brutally honest, there. Do you agree with what he had to say? Uh, yeah, he is brutally honest, but you know, I, I don't think Josh Maguire excused from that group. You know, Josh Maguire hasn't been playing up to the standard that is expected of him. What they signed him for the Broncos to come and offer that leadership. I think the Bron the Cowboys pack has been underwhelming for a number of years, and we've spoken about the Cowboys pack being probably one of the best in the business over that period. And they just haven't delivered. Geez, it was soft against the Tigers on the weekend. It was yeah, it was embarrassing, and then. You know, the Tigers, to be fair to the Tigers, they had a number of injuries. That second half was a result of a lack of fitness you know, with one on the bench. So the Cowboys, if they've taken confidence out of that second half, it's probably uh, mistaken. Is there something bubbling in there for an overhaul as well? Do you think there needs to be a new roster? Do you think it's Paul Green? I mean, we're, we're very quick to judge a coach, but like you both mentioned with the Warriors, sometimes there's more to it than just the coach. Yeah, well... I look at the Cowboys and think the the amazing turnover they had. You know, they had Matt Scott, one of the greatest front rowers we've ever seen. Jonathan Thurston. Those guys are, you know, the best that we've ever seen in their positions uh, up there as well. But they haven't changed anything from 2015, and they've just kept going back to the well, and they haven't adjusted to the team that they have now. They signed Jason Tamalolo to that long deal, and he's been by far their best player. But they don't mix it up. They, they try and play how they had when they had Thurston and Morgan and they keep going back to that world. But it's, for me, they haven't changed their attack. They haven't gotten with the times. And he hasn't been able to bring those guys up to speed without Jonathan Thurston. I'm gonna say, I think the 2017 Grand Final, make, making that 2017 Grand Final for the Cowboys could be the worst thing that's happened to them for the last three years. Because I think there were signs in 2017 that things weren't going well at the club. They, they barely scraped into the eight and then they went on this run for the last four to six weeks. Like Parramatta did in 2009 with Jared Hayne, he carried him all the way to the grand final. And they thought, we've got a great team here, we've got Jared Hayne, let's sign him a million dollar deal. And it went pear-shaped, they won three wooden spoons in the next six years or something. So the Cowboys, to me, that grand final, it, it, it took over the gloss of the problems that were starting to occur at the club. 
and they haven't adjusted. Michael Morgan had a great year that year and they thought he's the answer to everything and he hasn't delivered. So to me, I think that season has sent them back a few years, this belief that they were on the right track because I think things are starting to fall apart on the way that year. And the other thing, Katie, you're mentioning, you know, we're quick to mention the coaches. It's easy to fire a coach rather than sack 10 players because you need the players to go out there each week. So that's why the coaches are under the pump. And you know, speaking to coaches over the weekend, they understand what they're in for. You know, one, the, the, the day they get hired is one day closer to being fired. They, they understand that. That's why they love being around and doing everything. That's why you marvel at Wayne Bennett and Craig Bellamy and Ricky Stewart and how they've been able to keep getting opportunities and bringing the best out of players for so long. So um, Paul Green would understand that. You know, the Premiership... Winning a premiership probably buys you two or three years of mediocrity, mm. but the, the last two years, what we've seen out of that forward pack isn't good enough. That wasn't mediocrity on the weekend. No, that was, that was the last two or three years. You know, I know, I'm just saying. That's, that, that, a, that's a combination of yeah. bad performances. Yeah, the, that yeah. was disgraceful on the weekend. Yeah. 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 What's your other saying about one or two sprays a year? You should have to be up there with one. Oh, I think he's probably had five or six already this year. Like, yeah, I mean... Do you believe a coach has a window, Sowie, at, at a club? Like we saw it with Michael McGuire at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. A lot of people you speak to there saying his time was over. He ran his course there at the club. Do you believe that coaches do run their course at certain clubs? Yes, yeah. I think so. I think you've got to keep coming up with ways to reinvent the wheel. You know? And that's I think about Trent Robinson, and I listened to his press conferences, and I thought... Yeah, after they won 2018, he sat down and said they stripped everything right back. They go back to the start. They start a blank canvas every year. Mm. They're heading for a three-peat. You know, you look at that next month for the Cowboys, Knights, Eels, Roosters, Pe they might not win a game in the next five weeks. It could be all, all over you know, for, for Paul Green in that next five weeks because based on what we saw on the weekend in that first half, they aren't beating any of those five teams. He is the highest-capped coach at the Cowboys club, 163... And he's done a great job. Yeah. They've won the premiership they've, they've been looking for, and he's, and he's done a fantastic job. The Cowboys are a powerhouse because of what Paul Green's been able to do. Oh, the other it doesn't thing, mean he, that... The other thing with the Cowboys is they need success. Hmm. They need, they've got a brand-new stadium up there. You know, it's gonna, it was used to be the toughest place to go and play other than Melbourne was to go up there on a Friday night when the house is rocking. Now they've got this brand-new stadium. The fans up there won't stand for it. They won't come into town if they've got a team that's not performing mm. up to that standard. Like, their roster was borderline top eight for me, mm. but at the moment the, the Queensland teams may finish bottom three. All right, well, let's take a look at a team who is proving week in, week out they are no pretender in this premiership race. They're a true contender, downing the Raiders 14-6. to six. It did come at a cost. There was a trio of injuries and, of course, Tom Travojevic heading that injury toll. Michael, this is his third hamstring injury in a matter of years um, over the last 12 or 18 mm. months. Is this serious? I mean, he's 23. Yeah, the last injury he had was far more serious than this one from what I'm led to believe. I think the Seagulls are hopeful that he'll be back in maybe six to eight weeks. It's, it is no good for Tommy. And, you know, he's a big lad. He's a tall boy. He's growing. He's just, you know, starting to finish off growing into his body now. Uh, you know, we see a lot of players come into the game with these soft tissue injuries at a young age. You know, James Tedesco he had a horrible run of luck till he was about 22, 23. You know, he had injuries every six months, the poor kid. So, and he's been able to get himself right over that period. Hopefully Tommy does because 
when Tommy's on the field for Manly, he does some special things and Manly grow another leg with him there. So they'll be desperate for him to come back. And Dylan Walker, who's obviously found a bit of form as well in, in the sixth jersey. Yeah, I just, I mean, if we can have a look at that footage again, Daly Cherry Evans' head, you know, t tells the story. It goes rocking back. He knows that his star player has done the hamstring. And you're sitting at home and you're watching Manly be courageous and, you know, play the footy that we know they're all capable of. But when you lose your best player, he is their best player. Just watch Cherry Evans come into screen here once he goes down. He knows straight away that, he's, uh, that his star player is hurt. So oh, I was devastated. Yeah. Devastated. Oh, just as a fan of the game, I love our best players playing. And you think about James Tedesco, that you know, horrid run he had of injuries and how he's able to get his body right. And this kid just loves playing footy. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a guy we love watching. I think he wins at Dally M this year if he didn't get injured. I think he's second or he might even in the top two there at the moment. I think he goes very close to winning the Dally M. Unfortunately, that probably that's uh, ship has sailed now. But uh, we'll have to wait another year for Tommy to, to live up to that potential. And what about as for Des just uh, creating again? I think we spoke about it a lot last year, week in week out. Des was just uh, creating this incredible 17. You didn't know half the team, but they'd still rock up and win the game. Um, what is it about Des that you think could be a secret? He'll, he'll find a, a way to win, won't he? I was very critical of Des at the way things ended at Canterbury. I, I thought Des had gone mad, to be honest with you. I thought he'd lost the plot as the coach. And there's people you speak to in around Canterbury, and I think Des, Des was going down that path. He became so focused on statistics and things at Canterbury weren't going the way he was and the way he wanted to. And I think he's the kind of coach what I was talking about earlier with the window. His window at Canterbury was over. He took a year away from the game and he has come back and he is, he, he is the Des we all loved back in the day. And what he's been able to do with that team, a team of, let's be fair, didn't come outside the top three players there, a team of no names. Like we talk about Brad Parker and Moses Suley. Like these guys were struggling to play first grade at some point. So... He's been incredible for what uh, Manly's resurgence over the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah, he made two grand finals at Canterbury, so quick, it's quick for Canterbury to, to forget that, you know, that he took him to two grand finals. I'll say this, Manisi Fainu, Tom Trebojevic, they get back next year and a couple of little bit, uh, pieces in depth, they'll win the comp next year. All right, let's talk about the other half that they, they took down, the Raiders. That was interesting stuff. Their attack, is that a, a big issue? Huge issue at the moment. Uh, you think about that game against Melbourne, they were outstanding. They, they played to the rules, they really got Melbourne on the hop, they were over the advantage line, but I mean, you look at the missed opportunities, obviously on the weekend you think it's not too bad, but inside the 20 they just look lost. They just look like if it's not going to be White and running over uh, someone to score a try, how are they going to get those tries? And, it, and what happens is, when you're a good defensive team like they were at the Raiders last year, look at that play right there. They should have been last year. That's catch pass. That's just the confidence they play with. This year they're trying to search for it, and it's just not happening. They're great defensively, the Raiders. Now they give you nothing, and that builds their attack. But what we're seeing at the moment is a lack of direction, and they're just not coming up with any points. And they're, and they're missing Bateman's ability to create create something from nothing. So well, he's their he's their structured unstructured, isn't he? Yeah. Because he can so often in a, in a game, you go throw the ball to Bateman, it looks like nothing's doing, and he'll peek his head through the gap there and, and create something for him. So they're really missing Bateman. And George Williams, apart from that game against the Storm, hasn't really lived up to the, the billing for the, the Raiders. Well, if you look at Bateman and the way he plays, he'll get the ball over one side, and then it looks like it's going to be a dead play. He just crabs across, all of a sudden someone hits a hole, quick play the ball, they play on the short side. At the moment, they're just trying to search for that, and they're trying to maybe go back to what worked last year. But last year, there was a lot of pressure on 7-6, and one to come up with triceps because it was all coming off Hodgson. So uh, a lot of pressure coming on George Williams now. And don't underestimate the toll of having to get on a, you know, 
are playing every week and, and they're playing away from home yeah. and that playing at Canberra for them 12 games a year is a huge advantage when they get back into Canberra Stadium get the Viking clap happening get everything happening again they'll fall back into a groove I, I won't write Canberra off yet I still think no. they're a top four team and can get it right yeah, I think they'll need their home ground. I know their next five games are pretty tough. I think the easiest one in there, if it's an easy game, is the Dragons. They've got the Storm, Roosters, um, Eels and the Rabbitohs. So mm. a tough run there. But it's now time for your sweet and sour, Jamie. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, you've got something <laughs> sweet for us this week. I do. And it's pos- possibly the sweetest guy in the NRL. Just watching the footy on the weekend. And it's Jake Drabojevic. He's an absolute legend. I love him. Just have a listen to this. Have you been part of better, many better wins for the Seagulls? I don't, I don't think so, mate. I don't think so. That was, um, that was so good. I couldn't believe it. You know, we lost walks, um, walks very early and then we lost Turbo. It was just, just a tough, tough day for us. We lost Parker in the first couple of minutes. So, I oh, think yeah, it's just a lot of resolve, eh? Only let them into one try and just, we just kept working really hard. It was a very, very pleasing win for Eddie. That something, that's something I always, always remember, sorry. But the way you scooped that ball up at the end and just ran through the middle of the team. What twitch? I saw it. It's been passed on straight away. The jeans just pass straight to Jake. I might take the one next week. What do you reckon out the back? <laughs> <laughs> Footballers get a lot of bad raps, but uh, if my daughter's ever want to date a footballer, Jake Draboyevich, hopefully uh, he's, he has a couple of sons along I the way. I was going to say, he might he's be the nicest one. guy you'd ever want to meet. Uh, yeah, he's just a legend. Absolutely. And a guy that just represents... Yeah, what's great about rugby league? He had a great win. He played great. He enjoys putting the boots on, and yeah, what a fantastic guy! Not that fantastic. He apparently had a tea time at the golf course booked in with Tommy today. Been waiting six weeks to go and play golf. He oh. went without his brother, injured, couldn't make it. He's still a legend. He's, he's, he's a sweet or sour this week. I love that sweet. I love how we supered him um, very pumped up <laughs> yeah. as well. That's him though. That's just him. Normally. Yeah, so, he is. No, very good. He's like a Labrador. You say that he's like, he's like your favourite. You just want to pat him all the time. <laughs> Alright, it was arguably the best game we've seen in 2020 so far. The Roosters and the Eels. It was absolutely sensational. The Roosters proved that they are just outshining in a class above. Let's take a look at some of the highlights from that match. I'm enjoying watching him play. Like I woke up this morning as a coach sort of going, okay, I'm, I can't wait to watch tonight. Stepping back is Josh Morris. He's got Tedesco in support. Here's Tedesco. Gufferson's heading two bows way. Gufferson's over halfway. Yeah, it's what you expect if, you, if you're going to uh, go toe-to-toe. First up contacts were physical. Once we were able to build some pressure at the start of the second half, we got a couple of rewards from it. Jennings! Jennings will score for Parramatta! Jennings around Manu! Jennings beats another! Jennings! Pick up Sebo! Sebo trampled to But then you also want to see how your team reacts in different circumstances, because that's what you've got to coach and develop. I don't know, was there 20 minutes maybe left? OK, what are you going to do? Yeah, from there, they just starved us of, of possession. You know, the game was on. Morris will take him on, set it up for Tupo. The Roosters took Um, Well, we didn't give up. He's got support inside. Just, oh! you know, we, we'd like to be, you know, more professional in, in closing those that game out. We got a good insight into what guys are going to do uh, in tough circumstances, which is a great lesson in round six. Well, Jamie and Michael are back on the touch screen. And Michael, we need to find out how do roosters keep on doing it? 
Well, we thought they weren't going to do it at one point. Mike Acevo sends James Tedesco into the Paralees car park. They score the try. Mitchell Moses kicks the goal. They're 10-8 up, and we're thinking Parramatta, they can do this. They put the kick in they, after they scored the try, and they pin them down in their, in, their in, uh, in their half. What goes wrong here for the Reels? Well, it's a perfect kick chase. Brad Arthur right now at this moment in the game would be ecstatic with how his team's fought with only 20 minutes to go. They didn't have possession. They get themselves back into the game. You just highlight Mitchell Moses here. Makes an effort on this kick chase. He's able to make his way down. He's starting to get a sniff of upsetting the back-to-back -back champions. But as play rolls on, you just watch his lack of retreat, able to get back out to this edge. Here he is here, and the Roosters spot that straight away, Chemis, and they don't miss an opportunity. No, they don't, and especially Luke Keery. Over the last 12 or 18 months, we've seen him in big moments step up and win the game in the grand final. Again, the blind side put Luttrell away for Daniel Tupa, uh, for Tedesco. So what does Luke Keery see in this instinct here to capitalise on Parramatta's retreating defence? Well, you realise Moses getting back there late is actually given the set to the Roosters to be able to roll on. And just here, Reid Marnie, who's had a fantastic game, he's come in, he's made 50 tackles, he's been in absolutely everything, kicking game outstanding. Just watch his slow retreat. And Keery at first receiver is saying to Jake Friend, yeah, we want the ball, we want the ball, slow retreat. Now, that would normally be Ryan Madison that he has to take on, a better defender. As play unfolds, we get to this point here, Mitchell Moses and Reid Marnie defending together. Now, Mitchell Moses has been outstanding with his defence this year. He's been keeping his shoulders square. He's been coming up with all the right plays. And at this stage, he's actually in a pretty good position. But as play unfolds, as Kiri gets closer, he starts to look out, worried about Cordner and the shape out the back. And poor old Reid Marnie has been in the middle of the whole game. Luke Kiri takes advantage. Boyd Cordner scores. Game over. Obviously, that game on the weekend, it was intense, it was fast. Reed Marnie playing in the middle, 60 minutes into the game. Does that exploit Parramatta a little bit? Do they need a number 14 to come on, give him a break? Yeah, definitely. I think if they've got the opportunity to be able to get someone in there, Ray Stone's been able to do that for a little bit. But at the moment, you want your best players on the field for that whole game, and Reed Marnie's the best number nine at Parramatta. All right, well, gents, I'm already counting down to the final series. Cannot wait. But thank you so much for your insight. I'm enjoying this touch screen. It's time now for the Casualty Ward. Thanks to Go Healthy Vitamins. Well, we have touched on it, but Manly's patience will be tested without Tom Dravojevic after he re-injured his hamstring facing a month on the sideline. Dylan Walker hobbled off in the third minute with an ankle injury, while Brad Parker suffered an HIA and will need to pass protocol to be fit for round seven. A short turnaround for the Sydney Roosters means they may be without their star fullback, James Tedesco, who will also have to pass HIA testing before Friday. Young gun Tom Amone will miss at least 12 weeks with an MCL and partial ACL tear after his side's victory over the Warriors. And Titans confirmed highly sought after outside back young Tunamapia has suffered a grade two MCL injury while it's feared West Tiger Alex Twall has also injured his knee. Titans injury list isn't getting any shorter. However, new recruit Corey Thompson has been cleared of any jaw damage and the first stage of his HIA return to play protocols have been approved. There's some positive news for Manly, who are due to welcome back Marty Tapao and Moses Suli, while Storm could get Jerome Hughes back in time to face the Warriors on Friday if he's cleared of a broken hand. That's this week's Casualty Ward. Thanks to Go Healthy Vitamins, it's now time for Hit or Miss. All right, first up, there will be no changes made to the top eight for the finals. Let's take a look at the ladder as it stands. Is that a hit or a miss? Hit for me. Oh, I think they'll all jostle for position, but we saw on the weekend that you know, the cream's starting to rise to the top and you know, those, those teams, like Parramatta, are definitely going to be there and you think the Roosters, will, they'll definitely be there. I think that's the top eight. Done. It, it's all over. 
start the finals. Let's see. Start the finals. Let's see Eels and Roosters again. <laughs> Broadcasters won't like that. We need more footy. Uh, the, uh, look, the Tigers on their day can challenge that eight, but as per usual, they'll probably finish ninth. And <laughs> no, well, the thing for the Tigers is they played great on the weekend. A game they should win this weekend. Yeah, yeah against Canterbury. Can they get the job done? This is what Michael Maguire would be looking for from his team. He knew he was going to get the effort first up. Yeah, last week was a result of their effort against Canberra. Can they get the job done this week? It's always the biggest cliche, consistency, but that's <laughs> well, a These secret. are the games they lose. These are the games they yeah, lose. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did lose against the Titans. All right, question two. The Simbin crackdown is going to have a positive effect, hit or miss. Now, from that round, Jen, there was eight. I think hit. I think hit. I, I, I don't mind it. And I think you'll find over the course of the season those numbers will, will drop because the players will get the message. I think this is just a message to the players saying if you're going to try and exploit these rules, we're going to send you to the bin, get the message or keep going. And the players will get the message. I, I, I don't blame the clubs and the, and the coaches for trying to exploit the rules over the first few weeks because you need the advantage and that's what happens over time and, and they'll adjust accordingly. Miss for me, too inconsistent on the weekend, the Timbins. I had you know, about five out of those eight, I wasn't sure what was going on. You think about the Michael Jennings one, the game's been fantastic the whole night. Yes, he's offside. Is it a professional act? I don't think so. I think the penalty hurt them enough to be able to send him off and end the game effectively oh. with 10 to go. And then you think back to Carolyn Ponga's one. Like we're Just just because you say you're going to use a sin bin more doesn't mean you have to go and use it. You, know, you give the players a chance to sort it out. Don't try and interfere halfway through. Okay, well, things to round it off is the win over Storm proves Panthers are true premiership contenders, hit or miss. Jamie? Uh, hit, I think. No, I think you won't miss. <laughs> <laughs> nah, hit, hit. Um, okay, yeah. so you, Panthers are true premiership contenders? Yeah, they are, and I still have some concerns around their attack. They were better on the weekend. You know, the, the edges for Melbourne Storm were pretty poor on the weekend when you look at some of their defensive reads and Cameron Smith said after the game there's a lot of you know, un-Melbourne-like errors defensively so I think there's still some work to do but gee, they're competing hard and Cleary icing that, you know, that field goal is good signs. Uh, Hit-ish for me. True, true finals <laughs> contenders. We're in the same boat. We're, we're, they're true finals contenders. I don't think they're going to win a competition this year but they are building towards it and building very nicely. I think... Ivan Cleary's done a fantastic job with that roster. They could be that four to six mark this year, finish the ladder there, and 2021, look out. Sorry, you hittish. Hittish. Yeah, hittish. That's a new one from you. <laughs> hittish, I'm sitting. All right, let's get to Champ or Chump before we wrap up today's show. And Blake Ferguson, he would have to be, if not one of, if not the funniest NRL player. And on um, Saturday night's game, he reaffirmed his position there. Let's take a listen why. Kiri is kicked the option, it is, it is, and Ferguson takes out a cardboard cutout and apologises. Again, pinpoint accuracy, great depth. <laughs> and Ferguson takes it took the Bulldogs fan of the fence, heads off. <laughs> Sorry, am I the only one who finds that funny? <laughs> nah, it's Are you champing or jumping that? Uh, yeah, he's a champion, Blake Ferguson. Yeah. I, I think it's amazing what he's done with his career after leaving the Roosters, you know, to be able to back himself and still be one of the best wingers in the game. Champ for me. Uh, brought back memories similar, well, not really similar. Mark Riddell jumping over the fence, sitting in the stands at the <laughs> stadium. One of my favourite moments as a kid. So yeah, I'd love to see Fergo maybe next week score a try and go give one of those fans a high five. Or I think Brad Arthur <laughs> would be very nervous because if that ball just takes an extra bounce, it's a try. So you'd be wanting him to, but yeah. Champ. Champ. Yeah, champ for sure. All right, Jordan Raffin, I spoke to media last week and uh, he was asked about why he wasn't wearing a mouth guard. I want you to listen to the end of this and whether or not you were champing or chumping uh, some very questionable face expressions. Nah, I left my mouth guard when I was in Japan, so I, um, I didn't have a mouth guard the first few games. 
And um, finally got one made the day before uh, Tigers game, so I was pretty lucky there. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have a front tooth when I'm talking to you. I don't know what that is. I think he's taken off someone in the background, obviously. Uh, It's not uncommon that boys hang around for interviews and try and take the mickey out of you, but he's a champ, Jordan Rapana. I think he did that off his own bat. Nah, he's He's a character. He'd be playing up to the crowd. You think Cameron McGuinness might jump in? (laughs) <laughs> you reckon that was aimed at Cameron? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Robert, <laughs> playing the Dragons in a couple of weeks, aren't they? All right, and staying in the country's capital city, Curtis Scott has got a, uh, a shrine of Conor McGregor. So are we champing or chumping how big this image is in his home? Champ, as a person that has Larry Bird uh, stuff in my house and Paul Pierce's signature uh, on my caboose, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> you're allowed to have heroes <laughs> in this world. I forgot, I forgot about, about that. <laughs> well, you I should tell them. I was headgearing my bedroom until I was about 23, so I might... might uh, Till 23? Yeah, oh, I'll only 32. <laughs> you two are just as bad as one another. For the listeners who haven't seen, last year Jamie did get um, tattooed. Yeah, Paul Pierce's <laughs> tattoo and number. Uh, sorry, signature and, and number on my caboose. I thought he was joking. <laughs> no, I got Not it done. a joke. No, I got it done, for sure. <laughs> All right, Jamie, while we're on that topic, can you please talk about your power rankings? Time for this week's Power Rankings, and it's the Penrith Panthers found their way climbing up the ladder this week. They were absolutely outstanding against the Melbourne Storm on Friday night, and it was Nathan Cleary. Jizzy makes a difference. See how he, what, he's missing for two weeks? They look a completely different football team with him back in the side. Beating the Storm, regardless of where it is, is no easy feat. So that, uh, to me, Penrith are the real deal. Yeah, there's still some things to work out around their attack. I thought they were better. Melbourne probably not as good on Friday night as they have been. But Nathan Cleary, that clutch field goal, it proves a lot to your team when you can come up clutch in those moments. I didn't beat Cameron Smith too many times <laughs> in my career, so he can notch that one up on the belt. The Manly Seagulls, they'd be absolutely devastated by the news of losing Tom Trebojevic. They hung in there. It was an amazing win for the club, but losing Tommy, geez, that hurts. Yeah, huge win, huge win. And it's come at a price, Tommy. Might be six to eight weeks, hopefully, for the Seagulls. I know they won't risk him given the fact he's had a lot of problems. So hopefully for Manly, when they make that run into the finals, Tommy Trebojevic is fit and ready to go. Yeah, the biggest drop this week was last year's grand finalists, the Canberra Raiders. They were absolutely amazing against the Melbourne Storm a month ago. But since then, their attack has declined in a big way, only scoring six points. They look frustrated. They look disorganised inside that 20. Well, it was only, what, three or four weeks ago we were praising them for their attack against Melbourne and the way they dismantled the Storm and now they look like they haven't played football together for a long time. So hopefully Ricky can turn that around quickly because as we said, those credentials, as we thought they were the team to beat, it's slowly dropping as they are in the power rankings. Yeah, and a lot of pressure starts to build on the number seven as well. But that's this week's power rankings. Thanks, Jamie. And don't forget, we're about done for today, but tomorrow at 3.55, NRL Teams is back for all the ins and outs for Round 7, hosted by Zach Bailey. So make sure you tune into that one. That should be a cracking episode there with Brett Kamali and Robbie Farah, of course. But today is a special day, so before we go... Happy birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sydney, and all over Sydney, you got the beanie, you got the face mask, no, all over Sydney, like dressed to the nines. Who is this? Just, it's, just for your favourite crunchy cake, share it around. I'll give out. you a big smooch as well, but we're COVID time. Oh, 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 it's your favourite. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. This is fantastic. I've never seen it. Where to go, Prep? I'll be peeped out by the way you look. Safety first. Look after yourself. <laughs> <laughs> to our favourite Sydney Morning Herald reporter, happy birthday, Michael Chamis. Thank you guys. Much we love you lots. How old? 42, 32? 29. 29, 29. That was Zach Bailey, by the way, if um, you didn't recognise his face under that. Um, did you have a good day? I did. Spent the time. 4am, wake up with the kids, can't complain. Do you like crunchy? I do like crunchy. Are you going I'd to? rather it in Zach's face, but we'll worry about that. Oh. Oh, you are so brutal. That is more brutal coming with old age. Um, are you going to taste it? or? I did. I had some crunchy. I don't want chocolate in my teeth. I've got a lot of gaps in you. I see The People are seeing the real Michael Chamis. I love this. I love this. All right. Well, I hope you have a great night and um, we'll see you back a bit more wiser next week, eh? Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. To finish today's episode, we have plenty of serious hits from round six. So we're going to take a look at all the best from the round. And don't forget... You can vote for your favourite thanks to Yui on nrl.com. Until next Monday, have a good one. across the field, grabs the legs, pulls it onto the sideline. Try saver from Sheridan. Josh Morris got past Blake. He's got support inside. Tackle. Oh, Kerry cut down by Dylan Brown. Another stellar moment in the match. Townsend. Oh!